0: Danana Stada, good morning and uh, welcome to our council chambers. The council Chambers symbolizes a beaver's home because we're beaver people. And this is the, the, uh, this symbolizes the home of the nation. I'd like to see uh, discuss to our elder for the blessing and the opening prayer, and the drummers. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome everyone here today for this very important announcement. Premier, ministers, welcome to inna. I am pleased that many members of council and staff from the social development portfolio are also with us today. Their work has been key, been key to the important, this important event, To the media, I am grateful that you are here to mark this announcement and to tell this important story to our citizens and to all Albertans. I will offer more thoughts later after the official announcement, but at this point I'm very pleased to call upon our Premier, the Honourable Premier Daniel Smith.
1: Gujanu Gadigoi and good morning, Chief. If I've said you're that wrong, I'm sure you'll tell me it's the first time with me trying your language. Um, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here today. And thank you to Elder Charlie Crochell for your prayer to the Creator for this very important gathering. I'd like to begin by acknowledging that we're gathered here today on Treaty Seven territory, the sacred ancestral home of the Satina Nation, who have a long-standing and enduring history with this land, living on it. And protecting it for countless generations. I'm grateful to Chief Roy Whitney and Council for graciously welcoming us and hosting us today. We are also joined here today by Dan Williams, Alberta's Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, Mike Ellis, our Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, and Jason Nixon, our Minister of Seniors Community and Social Services. Today marks a milestone in our government's relationship with Sutina Nation and another meaningful step towards reconciliation. Everyone deserves the opportunity to heal and recover from the illness of addiction, and this includes Indigenous people living in Alberta. In order to be certain that opportunity is available for all Albertans, we need to partner with First Nations in Alberta and support them with the treatment capacity needed to support people in their pursuit of recovery. This is why we are thrilled to announce today. That Alberta's government will be signing a memorandum of understanding with Sutina Nation to develop a new recovery community on Sutina lands. This partnership reflects our government's unwavering commitment to walk together with First Nations to increase addiction treatment capacity across Alberta. Building this recovery community in partnership with Sutina is another essential step towards. Ending the addiction crisis here in Alberta. While more supports and services are clearly needed, we believe meaningful progress can only be achieved with the guidance and leadership of First Nations communities. Unfortunately, over the past four years, we've seen the federal government abdicate its responsibility in this area. They've significantly decreased federal support to Indigenous communities for both addiction and health care supports. As a province, we find that unacceptable, which is why we're working in direct partnership with First Nations to address it. The Sutina recovery community will be built with an investment of up to $30 million in capital, and when completed, this new recovery community will provide addiction treatment services for up to 300 people every year in 75 beds. I'm confident that this partnership between our two governments will change the way addiction treatment is provided. But most importantly, it will provide even more people with the support they need to pursue recovery from the illness of addiction. I look forward to working with our partners at Sutina Nation in the months ahead and to returning here in the near future to break ground on this remarkable new facility. And it's important to note that this partnership is only the most recent example of our ongoing efforts to work alongside Indigenous partners. We've already committed to building holistic treatment facilities on Enoch Cree Nation and blood-tribe lands, and there are more partnerships still coming. These holistic treatment facilities will support both Indigenous and non-Indigenous people from across the region. Indigenous culture has a lot to teach us about holistic healing, and I'm excited to see this recovery community being brought to life in collaboration with Sutina. And I also want to reiterate my thanks to Chief Whitney for partnering with us, and I I will turn it back over to him.
2: Well, good morning, everyone, um, and uh, thank you, first of all, to Chief Whitney for taking the opportunity to invite us here today on Sutina Land, uh, and I want to also thank uh, Jody Guns. where are you, Jody, um, for the work that you've done behind me um, uh, on the Calgary Public Safety and Community Response Task Force. She sits on that, which I am now the chair, uh, and it's some of the reason we're here today because of the work that she contributed on behalf of the nation and other Indigenous communities to make sure that we are taking these positive steps forward for a partnership in this memorandum of understanding that the Premier just announced today. The truth is is that the addiction crisis has touched all corners of this province, but First Nation and Indigenous communities have been hit particularly hard. They disproportionately represent uh, those in crisis and addiction in the province of Alberta. Our government's committed to working in partnership with them, and as the Premier mentioned, this is the third, with more to come, of our recovery centres that are being located on First Nation territory, in partnership fully with them. We're not waiting for the federal government. We are running uh, to support these communities and and all Albertans who are struggling uh, with the crisis of addiction right now, as soon as we can. And so um, we are going to make it our goal that every single Albertan has access to treatment, no matter who they are or where they come from. And that starts partnering uh, with the local communities, just like we're doing here today uh, with the Tsutsina community. So this idea of recovery community is something that plays an important part in our continuum of care in Alberta and how we are choosing to respond to the addiction crisis that's plaguing so many of our communities. And the idea of it being a recovery community is very important. They offer holistic, community-centered, long-term treatment for uh, those suffering from addiction and a supportive environment with what they need. Uh, They can stay for up to one year at this facility, uh, and we're hoping that we're able to Um, Have this underway in early 2024 and completion uh, hopefully uh, soon after that. So we can see members of this community and those across the entire region able to get those supports that are so badly needed so that they can deal with the crisis on their hands, they get the support from the government and their families and their community and get their lives back on track. And so we can't wait to partner. Uh, particularly with Tsutina on this one. Uh, I work closely um, in the short time of an office with First Nation Communities, and I can't wait to work with Chief uh, Roy and his council and all the future that we have together to address this in a serious way for the betterment of the province, for Tsutina, and for all those involved. I want to thank uh, Minister Nixon for coming as well, uh, and Minister Ellis, I know is on his way, for the work that they do uh, in supporting what is a continuum of care uh, around addiction and we know we won't be able to solve this problem with only one tool in our toolkit this recovery center is going to be a key plank in that we are committed to keeping our community safe and supporting those who are most vulnerable and at need and that starts right here with the partnership uh, with our uh, partners at Sutsina. thank you very much and I can't wait to continue working with all of you today take care
0: a beautiful day outside, and uh, the uh, intent of this facility coincides with the beauty that's out there and the warmth and the sun. CSCUS Premier and Minister for your, your words here today was really um, um, surprised and, and happy to hear that it's a 75-bed unit. Drugs have always been uh, with us in every community. But the reality and the severity of drug abusing is, is changing. It has already changed. When I was growing up and then became a member of council at Sotuna, there was substance abuse. Of course there was. In this generation, we are dealing not just with alcohol or soft drugs. We are dealing with synthetic opioids, that are cheap and easy to conceal and incredibly powerful. This is the new and more difficult reality. And the dealers of these drugs are coming after our young people, coming to make sure that they become users. It is easy to point fingers at Big Pharma and creating opioid addicts Uh, overseas manufacturing of cheap and insanely powerful drugs, local gangs, and distributors. But pointing figures does not lead to the solution. It's time for solutions. Of course, there will be differences of opinion about how to manage the growing drug abuse problem in Alberta. But weighing in on those solutions, I stand with the Premier and her Cabinet on the track that they are creating. No one would believe to a- the answer to alcohol abuse is more, provide more and cheaper alcohol. The answer is long-term and intensive assistance and abstinence. Anyone who has dealt with alcoholism knows that. So how can a solution of drug abuse be more and, che- more and cheaper drugs handed out by government? That is not a solution. That's just helping addicts uh, die faster. Well, that's not acceptable here to our people at Sotina, but we do stand as a community against drugs, any kind. We will provide support and we will commit to our community to tackle drug abuse together. We will stand with affected users of the community to provide the love, the support, the structure, and the guidance that they will need finding their way out. We will not stand by and watch our people's lives be ruined and ended. We intend to act, and the provincial government is acting, Premier Smith is acting, and I support those actions. We support this MOU, we support the creation of a drug treatment facility, And we support actions to save people's lives. We want to save the lives of our people. That's the bottom line. Thank you, Premier CSGUS, for this MOU taking action against the scourge of drug addiction. It's a big problem, bigger than it's ever been in my lifetime. The creation of drug treatment centres is the road to solutions. So TINA will be part of that solution. And I'd like to thank you all for coming here today. Premier Ministers, um, I appreciate your presence. Thank you.
3: Thank you. And now with that, we'll head into the media Q&A for today's event. Just a reminder, we'll be doing one question, one follow-up. Please state your name and outlet. Uh, As you get to the mic for those in person, please make your way to the microphone to the right of the cameras. And we'll start off here in the room and then go on to the uh, phones. So at the mic, feel free.
4: Premier, uh, I understand this is the MOU that's signed today. The commitment
1: to get this done. Do we have any more specifics on timeline, uh, cost to build, those kinds of things? The uh, I understand that the chief is going to uh, to have both Dan Williams and my chief of staff hang back to identify a location. Of course, if there's already a service site, it'll be a lot faster to be able to to get the, the shovels in the ground. But we'll have more details about that once we hear what the what the nation has decided for where they want the location sited. And 75 bed? I'm seeing, Marshall, not everybody seems surprised by that one, yeah. But 75 bed. There are going to be some that we announced that will be a little bit smaller, but uh, 75 bed will be the facility here.
4: All right, and um, follow up, if I can, with the chief, please. Uh, Just in terms of the the numbers, the the 75 beds, the MOU being signed, uh, you you talked about uh, the need for this. Uh, What does this mean for the nation?
0: Well, it gives our opportunity for our homeless people to find a place where they can recover and help them get off the streets. Um, You know, we, we need... To be able to support our people, it doesn't matter where they are. And the addiction of the new opioids is it's not as bad as other areas, but it is still bad. And anytime you lose one to that opioid, it, it, it really affects the whole nation. So the intent is that you know we work with all of our people to to find some way of recovery. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And we'll go to our next question at the mic here.
5: Tyson for with CTV. Uh, Premier, this one for you, uh, a little off topic, uh, just in regards to over the weekend, uh, of course, we we saw in central Alberta, a devastating tornado rip through uh, parts of central Alberta. Do you have any plans this week to go visit the area, speak with people in that area? And uh, what is the province doing to maybe help assist some of those that have uh, lost pretty much their livelihoods and homes?
1: Yeah, I had somebody in the area contact me, I think, within 20 minutes of the tornado touching down to tell me of the damage. And I contacted uh, the Minister of uh, public safety and emergency services right away to make sure that if they needed help we were there to provide it. I know that the uh, local MLA speaker Nathan Cooper has has been there and assisting in whatever way they need. Um, a, an inquiry that uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs Rick McIver gave yesterday about whether he wanted them to stop in. They said the timing wasn't quite right. Um, politicians aren't always helpful when they're in the middle of a of a cleanup. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're there at a time that, that makes sense for the community. And so I've got um, an open door so that when it isn't appropriate for either myself or uh, Minister Ellis or, or Minister McIver to visit, we're happy to do that. And we're on standby if they, if they need any additional help. As I understand it, most of the homes will be um, able to get compensation through private insurance. And we, uh, there may be uh, other things that we can do if there's damage to infrastructure that needs to be supported.
5: And just to follow up in regards to uh, the port strike out in Vancouver, I know your mm-hmm. Minister of Economic Corridors and Transportation, Devin Dreeshan, over the weekend says he wants to see the Feds pull out every stop possible to get this thing stopped. Um, we do know that there's a few federal ministers and some big names coming this week with Stampede approaching. Uh, what are those conversations going to be like with the Feds, and what are you hoping comes from those conversations about stopping that strike?
1: Yeah, well, I've, I have a meeting with the Prime Minister on July the 7th, and, of course, this will be a, a topic of conversation. The, the The Parliament isn't scheduled to return until September, and from what I've seen, the two parties seem to be moving further away rather than closer together. This would be devastating for Alberta. Alberta had, as I understand it, in 2021, $12.4 billion of goods go through British Columbia ports, and so every single day... We are are seeing disruption. I'm going to be attempting to arrange a call with the uh, the the industry partners in in uh, at the negotiating table. But our request has been that the Parliament needs to return to uh, to to end the to to end this and to to order people back to work. It is an essential service, and it is massively disruption disruptive to our economy and the economy of Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is also weighed in as well. So there there will be some conversations. Over the coming days, but the, this can't drag on for weeks or months. We we need a resolution. We, we'd love to see both sides get to the table, come to a common ground. But we're we, we understand that uh, that they're not moving closer together, and that requires federal intervention. And
4: agree son, uh, <clears throat> congratulations on the, this wonderful announcement, long overdue. Um, you're meeting with the prime minister mm-hmm. on Friday afternoon. And you've already told us about lines in the sand and hoping for the best but always preparing for the worst etc etc what are you going to tell him to make clear that you are serious about the position you've taken what how are you going to make that i realize you're going to be nice to him and (laughs) and try to come up with some diplomatic solution but just in case that doesn't happen how are you going to make clear that you're serious, where perhaps in the past that there was just strongly worded letters?
1: Well, I did, I did tell him when, or his, uh, his ministers, Minister LeBlanc and Minister Wilkinson, when we met, that I wanted to immediately start a working group to deal with the three issues, but my conditions for that is that off the table had to be a net zero by 2035 target on electricity, and off the table had to be an emissions cap and and on the table needed to be a discussion about Article 6, which is the way that we can get credit for reducing emissions globally. And they weren't prepared to commit to that at the table, so we weren't prepared to commit to meet and develop the working group. So um, as soon as they're prepared to to say that those will be the the foundational starting point for how we can have a, a discussion about how we might move forward and meet emissions reduction targets, then we'll establish that group. And that's what I'm hoping comes out of Friday. I'm hoping that they've seen because they should have seen that we simply cannot achieve an emissions reduction target by 2030. Impossible. I've made it clear very many times. We also know that British Columbia has seen that they can't reach their emissions reduction goals and increase LNG without getting credit for reducing emissions uh, globally. So I think that there's some movement there. But all you have to look at is the uh, electricity rates in this province and the fact that the natural gas producers have been reluctant to come forward with new projects because of the uncertainty that the federal government has created. That creates instability in the grid, it creates a lack of reliability, and it creates an affordability crisis. So we are seeing today the consequences of that uncertainty. And they also know it is impossible for us to achieve a net zero grid by 2035. So, I, I've had to be fairly firm in in putting those messages forward, and we'll we'll see if we've managed to have a breakthrough. Um, again, I still remain hopeful. I will let you know uh, after our meeting whether that uh, that hope is misplaced or, or whether or not we have something to to agree to to go forward on.
4: How how do you assure Albertans? Because I have a lot of readers every time I mention this, uh, you versus Trudeau, who say. Who, who want confidence that somehow you will not be charmed out of your position or threatened out of your position or just change your position, that you will stand firm when standing firm is is the action that will be required. So how do you reassure Albertans that you will stand firm for the province? no matter no matter what the Prime Minister does or doesn't say?
1: Well, I can tell you the next step is going to be um, asking if uh, uh, the, the three other provinces who find themselves in this position, Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia, all four of, the, of us have a significant amount of hydrocarbon fuel on our power grid. All four of us have said that the, it is unachievable to, to get to a 2035 target. So there will have to be some collective action if it comes to that. And we also have the Council of the Federation meeting in Winnipeg in... Uh, I just just next week, and so it'll be a, a discussion item uh, on the table if it comes to that. I mean, I'm hopeful right. because I have put on the table. I mean, I I live in the real world. I'm I'm not quite sure where these targets came from. They seem to have been pulled out of thin air with absolutely no strategy for how to receive them. It's my job to uh, to inject some reality into this discussion, and I can tell you. Uh, reducing emissions 42% on oil and natural gas by 2030 is unachievable. Reducing, getting to a net zero power grid by 2035, unachievable. And we have an obligation to use our great technology to be able to reduce emissions globally. It it helps with emissions reduction, it helps with energy security, and it helps with affordability. So I've been very consistent in that from the beginning, and we'll see whether or not I've had a breakthrough when I meet with the Prime Minister. Thank you. Thank you.
3: And do we have any more questions on the floor? Yes.
1: Go for it. Danina Falkenberg from City News. I just have a question about the Recovery Centre. I know that you mentioned a holistic approach, mm-hmm. so I'm just wondering if someone can expand on on what that entails. Well, I, I, can, I can ask the Chief if he would also um, respond to that. But one of the things that we noticed, you'll notice this beautiful room. That it's built in a circular fashion. That's one of the things that we learned in engaging with First Nations communities: is that the structure of a building is very important, and we want to make sure that we're building a design that um, is going to 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 um, to meet with the traditions of Indigenous communities. We also know that there are a number of Indigenous practices that um, help with healing, and so I can I, I'll turn it over to, to Chief uh, Whitney to talk about those. But we do know that there is a, a modern approach. To a recovery oriented system of care that we can bring in. And so the intention would be to bring in those who have experience with the recovery oriented system of care, marry it with the Indigenous practices, do the training so that ultimately the facility can be completely Indigenous run. And I'll turn it over to to Chief Whitney to talk a little more about that.
0: I'm going to also help uh, request uh, Jody Two Guns to come up um, and, and give some content to that question. Um, she's our executive director for wellness, the po- program, and that covers and covers all of the programs like health, adi- uh, social development, you know, working with the community. And in any event, um, she's been working with the premier staff as well as the minister. So the intent is for there will be a facility within that facility that will allow for the cultural uh, re- requests that, you know, people want to have uh, to come in, whether it be an elder, whether it be um, someone from a professional basis. Uh, the designing of programming, it might be in general, but the what will come out of it is what, they request themselves, and I mean the clients, to be able to assist them in their recovery because they're not all going to be at the same level. So, you know, we 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 need to be able to deal with the issues that are there. And those opioids are, you know, that's new, you know, um... Uh, and it causes death immediately if, if if taken over in overdose. But Jody, do you want to answer the rest of that, please?
6: Good afternoon. Thank you for the question. Uh, the difference between our recovery community and, say, uh, the other ones is our, we have the ability to... Be able to provide our own uh, ways and methods of healing. One which is including the land. We're we're very spiritual with the land, and um, the whole addictions and opioid crisis really affects one spirit. And that's the main thing is that we bring them back to the land, and then uh, we call upon our own spiritual leaders and uh, ceremony uh, ways of life to allow our clients to have that um, that way of healing as well. So it will be like a hybrid um, treatment center where we have the Western ways as well as our own traditional ways. But the land really is the key part to it. And that goes along with the holistic. Thank you.
3: All right. And now we'll head over to the phones. Operator, could you... Oh, yeah. I would just add
2: one or two points on the holistic. As Jody mentioned, it's going to be physically located here in the nation's land. I think that's the first point. Obviously, we're going to have custom facility for it as well when it comes to um, integrating uh, the worldview and the approach from the nation. Uh, But the entire idea of holistic isn't limited just to um, the Tsutsina-specific recovery facility. We look at um, others, we can see that we are going to be keeping them there for longer than a short period, up to a year, like I mentioned. So that means integrating supports, Uh, for getting work placements as they leave, transitions, financial supports for them so they can manage that as they leave in society so that when they leave the facility, um, even looking at the way we're going to start other facilities, we don't start with 75 immediately. It's a community-based approach, and this community is largely going to be indigenous, largely going to be Tsutina, And so that means as we scale up with a smaller group to begin with, that's going to be incorporated in terms of how the healing and the recovery works for every one of those individuals entering into recovery. So this isn't, this MOU isn't the end of our, of our work with Tsutina. This is literally the very start, and the programming right down to the design is all going
3: to be integrated, working closely with them. Thank you. And now we'll head over to the phones. Operator, could you please put through the first call?
7: Carrie Noreen, wind speaker.
6: Hello, this question is for Minister Williams. Can you give me an update on the progress of the Enoch Recovery Center and the Kainai
7: Recovery Center?
2: Thank you very much for the question. Um, happily, I had the chance to uh, visit the Progress at Enoch. Oh, pardon me, I haven't had the chance to visit Enoch yet, but I'm hoping to very soon. Um, we're hoping to have that online. It's the first and the farthest along of the... Uh, the recovery centers based on uh, nation territory across Alberta. It's going to play an important key part in not just um, those members of Enoch Nation, but the entire Edmonton region as well, and obviously working closely with them. Uh, we're hoping that we'll be able to open that up in the near future within uh, the next, uh, next year um but uh we we started long on the construction of that already and so hopefully very very soon and then kainai as well moving forward on it I'm happy to give more details uh, as it progresses in terms of the uh, did you have a particular question about them or is it just a general sense if they're moving forward
7: just a general sense when they're moving forward and when they would be opening
2: Yep, those two along with this one are our first three, uh, and uh, obviously moving forward, you'll hear, uh, stay tuned, there are more announcements to come uh, surrounding partnering with our uh, Indigenous partners uh, on even
3: more recovery centers and more programming. Thank you, and operator, could you put through the next caller, please?
7: Danielle, APTN.
3: And you might be muted, Danielle, already on the line there.
7: Oh, yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Um, This is for either the minister or Premier Smith. Um, Yesterday, APTN published an article where we talked about a seven-year drop in life expectancy for First Nations. Uh, Dr. Esther Tailfeathers and Alberta Health Services said there was a direct link between the drop in life expectancy and opioid deaths. Uh, Dr. Telfat has also commented on closing safe consumption sites and, and how we saw deaths increase in places like Lethbridge. Uh, so given this and, and other things like the of state of emergency for opioid deaths, what does your government plan to do to reduce drug overdoses?
1: Well, this is why we're here today. We've got a recovery-oriented system of care that's being led by Minister Dan Williams out of Mental Health and Addiction. And we are four years into an eight-year strategy on focusing on recovery first. And so that will require a few things. One thing that we did is we removed the $40 per day cost on addiction treatment. We have uh, expanded the amount of addiction treatment beds. And we're building these recovery communities. The first one opened in Red Deer and I think it started receiving patients in in May or June. So we're just really at the very beginning of this strategy. We have 11 uh, recovery communities planned we also have the uh, virtual opioid dependency program, where any person who wants to be able to have a, a safe substitute for opioids can call and get immediate access, same day access, uh, without charge to that service. And uh, we're we're going to co- continue working on putting recovery first. We, as I understand the the, the most recent problem, we now have. Fentanyl on the street that also contains tranquilizers, which makes um, naloxone less effective. And uh, we all know how important naloxone is in uh, addressing overdose and making sure people get another chance to to go towards recovery. So we're we're going to keep on working on that. It's a it's a dangerous drug. You can see it just looking at the statistics. I I think Chief Whitney saw that. He's been watching addiction crises for as uh, for many years, and I, I think we can both agree. All of us can agree. We haven't seen anything quite like this uh, this fentanyl crisis that we have. But um, I'm very confident in the work that Minister Williams is doing, and we're going to continue to, to press forward on ideas out of that department and, and implement the rest of our plan. And did you have a follow-up? Um, I do have a follow-up. Yes, I do. Uh, so, as mentioned,
7: you're, you're about halfway through your recovery-focused uh, plan. And, um, Some people, including Dr. Tailfeathers uh, and and other advocates, have criticized the focus being on recovery only versus on safe consumption sites. Do you have a comment to that?
1: Well, this is the reason why our recovery-oriented system of care is not being led by Alberta Health Services. Our recovery-oriented system of care is being led by mental health and addiction. It's being led, as well out of my office, by my chief of staff, who is an expert in the recovery-oriented system of care approach. And I can tell you, we have not closed uh, safe consumption sites. What we are doing is we are augmenting that with a recovery-oriented approach that has shown some promise in places like Massachusetts. and. And Portugal, and we're we're going to continue down that pathway. Of uh, I'm I'm not prepared to give up on people, and I'm not prepared to say that supporting somebody in addiction is the only choice. We believe that recovery is possible for everyone, and we're just brand new into into this approach. We've just opened the uh, the, the recovery communities. I think we should give it a chance to work.
3: And we just have time for one more question here. Operator, could you put through the last caller?
7: Kyle
5: Moore, Kix FM. Uh, Hi there. Uh, My question is for uh, Minister Williams. Um, With this kind of recovery community model, if you will, uh, how will this help in dealing with some of the uh, addiction crisis issues that uh, we have seen around the province?
2: Well, across the country, uh, and particularly in in Alberta, uh, and even more disproportionately, with our Indigenous communities, we've seen the deadly disease of addiction ravage communities and tear families apart and even cause an increase in death as we saw um, over this last week with the numbers released. That's exactly why we need to double down on recovery because there is hope for people to get out of recovery. Um, there's, There's no room for us to abandon certain Albertans or segments of people uh, to the disease of addiction that is deadly, that kills, takes lives. As we heard from Chief Whitney today, I could see emotion in his voice as he was thanking us for partnering with him and pleading to take a recovery response where we address the fact that addiction is the illness that is killing people. Uh, and there's no such thing as as a safe opioid dumped onto the streets. Uh, so this recovery community is one of eleven that are going to be the example of how jurisdictions across the world can compassionately care for Albertans and citizens that are struggling with this disease. Uh, and and to um, to not do this, I think, would be a moral failure on our part as a government. And that's why the premier, with her leadership, has shown such great such a great example of what. It, when she says, "I'm not prepared to leave people behind, I'm not prepared to abandon them to addiction," and that deadly disease is something that we need to address seriously, and so uh, I think that the fact we see these these deaths from addiction, especially with with, with deadly drugs like opioids, fentanyl, for example, um, it reinforces how important it is that we move forward as quickly as possible with this system of care, because the alternative, I think, is something I can't allow my, my children and grandchildren to grow up in a world where we're just propagating that problem, where it's inevitability that more and more addictions happen because there are just more and more access to those deadly drugs.
3: And did you have a follow-up, Kyle?
5: Uh, yes, as uh, so a follow-up to that, uh, when it comes to the, sort of the kind of locations of these uh, recovered communities, uh, obviously you get the announcement here for Susina. What, is there anything, I guess, uh, in the works for uh, kind of further north here, like, uh, like will they, one of these sort of be in the peace region, uh, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, obviously, I don't want to uh, make commitments just yet in terms of exact locations, but like I said, we're planning 11 as of right now, um, and they will be um, places where we need the most care, uh, especially for folks with the lowest recovery capital, the folks who have have the most, um, you know, despair and do not see the path out, it's going to be these sorts of recovery centers partnering with local communities that help us bring that out. So, uh, so stay tuned for more of that. And, and um, of course, uh, there's there's going to be support for Albertans. My my goal is to make sure that there is not any kind of wait time for anyone that needs recovery, that they can go straight into it in the province of Alberta. Because I think that's the only compassion, the only
3: moral response we have to this addiction crisis. Thank you. And that'll conclude our press conference for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us.